I always believe in lead by example. Your energy will attract the energy of your business. I strongly believe that my energy has to be the best in the business. And I've tried to say to the whole team, I can tell when you're not right outside of work. You can feel it the minute you walk in the door, you can feel it with anyone. So we really try and talk about it's not what you're doing here for the eight hours you're here. It's what you get to do outside of this that will fill your tank and make sure the eight hours here is a lot easier for you. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington with you with the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And today we have with us Rebecca Holton, who is the CEO of LJ Hooker City Residential over in Perth. Hey, Rebecca. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good, good. It's nice and hot here today, 41. So 41. Good place Ooh, to be. Okay, it's very overcast here, steamy but overcast. So hopefully we'll get some sunshine eventually. Yeah. You can send it over our yes. way. Yes, you guys had a wet one. Yeah, we have. We sure have. So real estate, talk to me about how you got involved in real estate. Yeah. So I'm coming into my 22nd year of real estate. So I started when I was 17. Make sure that I was probably, no, I was just, I don't know what it was, 17, 18. And I came into real estate. My mum was an agent on the Gold Coast and had her own agency. So I, I was brought up around it. Hated it with a passion because mum couldn't invent myself the games yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, me too. Me too. That, that I hate that as well. Last thing I want exactly sort of God, I was never going to be in real estate, and then needed some money and a job, so got just yes. took a wrong. Sounding very familiar yeah, so far. On the reception, <laughs> and then when I turned eighteen and nineteen, really wanted to get into sales. I loved sales. I loved everything about it. Loved people, you know, I've always been into sport and leadership and coaching and I just loved that side of things. So I got into sales straight away. I've never been a property manager. I've never been anything to do with property management, actually. Yeah, so I did sales for a really long time and then mum wanted to sell the business. I was a partner with her and she wanted to sell it and I just couldn't afford to buy it and cool and gather at the time. So we sold the business and then I was invited to come work for LJ Hooker Corporate in Sydney doing their training, some of their training. So that was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Did that for three or four years. Sydney was a lot for me. I have very addictive personality. So to live in Sydney in my late 20s, early 30s, it was just, you know, it was a lot. So eventually I was coming up to Perth to do some training and I met my now business partner and him and I had a conversation. I took out of that conversation that he wanted me to recruit someone to help him with succession planning in his business. And then by the time I'd landed back in Sydney off the flight, there was a job offer there. So he was actually trying to recruit me, but I thought he wanted me to recruit. And I'd known Frank for a really long time. It's funny when there's that disconnect and what someone's saying to you is not the message that you're hearing. Exactly. So I saw it on my email and I just wrote back, I'm heading to Vietnam for a couple of weeks, Frank, I'll come back to you. And as I thought about it while I was traveling, I thought I've loved Frank for a long time and the way he does business. And, And I was looking to get out of Sydney, never lived in WA, but loved it. So I came over. So I've been here 14 years, have been a partner in. That's a big move. Yeah, it was huge. And I mean, it's been the best thing I've ever done. I met my husband, had my kids. I've been 
Frank's partner of now six years financially. Yeah, he's 75, so he's stepped back from the business, but we've taken the business. We're at 600 properties under management. We're now at 2,500 and growing. Wow. Yeah, so. Fantastic. Well done. Yeah, so I found a really, and funny enough, found a passion for property management, which I love. I love growing it. I wouldn't do it. Really? I wouldn't do your property management, but I love the growth and the structure and helping sure. our landlords. I really like that side of things, yeah. So how have you achieved that growth? Has that been organic or have you bought some businesses? Yeah, so it's been both. We had some really good organic growth and then we started to, because we had a bit of scale, we could do some acquisitions. And then last year we did two big acquisitions of, that were 500 per acquisition. So we bought in 1,000 last year. And then, yeah, it's still organic growth. We've got multiple BDMs, so we grow a BDM team, like a sales team. Yeah, so the goal is to push to 5,000. That's my ultimate goal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But last year was big with the acquisitions. We also did a full office renovation. So it was, it was a huge year last year. I was exhausted at the end of last year. And so I'm hearing that you might not be an active salesperson anymore. No, I definitely not. Haven't been for a long time. I'm still an auction. Thank heavens for that. Yeah. So I still call auctions, but I don't list and sell. And so tell me about the auctioneering because auctions are not that big in Perth, are they? No, definitely not. I started auctioneering over East. So that was a really good ground for me. I actually started at one of my coaches at the time, pretty much told me, I bet you can't do this auction competition. <laughs> it was like a bit of a... A dare you moment a dare. into a rookie auctioneering competition and I loved it. I really enjoyed the stepping out of my comfort zone. I was I've never been so nervous in my life. But then, you know, the feeling after you do something like that is incredible. So I just continued with it and then I started, I got my license and started going out shadowing some auctioneers and then felt comfortable enough to get out on my own. And I came over to WA and I was very much wanting to drive the auction culture because it's what I knew. Look, it's a very strange market over here with auctions. I was always a firm believer they'll work anywhere as long as the agent does the work, but it's actually the consumer over here doesn't understand them and they get a lot of fear around it. And being on the ground, I can see if we open a property, you know, not all of them, but in today's market, it's a little bit different. The stock's so low that people will come to any property. But when the stock level's at a normal level, people just don't come to open homes. They wait for it to not sell at auction and come after. And I was in disbelief that it actually happened like that, but it does. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? And that's a big education process to try and communicate that with consumers. Yeah, isn't it? really hard. It is. And look, there's definitely a place. I still think auctions are the best way to sell property. It's been ingrained in me forever. But they are stressful though. They're stressful for everybody involved, the buyer, the seller and the agent. 100%. And I've got some really good agents here in definitely in the top 2.5% of LJ Hooker and then in the top 5% of Rewa. And if I tried to push it too hard with them, they just wouldn't want to be around me. So <laughs> I've got to choose my battles. Yeah, no, I get it. Sometimes you've just got to take a different road, right? And you're the number one LJ Hooker office in WA? The number one in WA, all income. We're number one property management office in all of LJ Hooker. And wow, I think we're number four all income of all, all of LJ Hooker. So in the network, we're up there. And I think we'd probably be about the third biggest property management business in WA. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to go back to. Firstly, the nerves around calling you an auction. Yeah. And how you're able to push yourself through, like you push yourself out of your comfort zone. You kind of deal with the nerves because you know on the other side of it, you're going to be 
proud of what you've achieved or? Yeah, I think it's that sense of achievement. And I feel as we get older, you get it a lot as a kid, don't you? You know, you're at the start of the running race and you've got the butterflies or your parents are trying to teach you how to do something, you'll ride your bike. And I just constantly remember that feeling of, oh, I can't do it, but then you do it and then you just, you want to keep doing it all the time. And it's just being in that growth stage of things. And I feel like as you get older, you don't actually get to experience that as much as you do as a kid. I've got a three and four year old. I haven't actually ever thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, no, no kid expects to be able to stand up and walk for the first time or to ride a bike for the first time or to ride a skateboard or to do anything yeah. the first time you try it. But as adults, we expect to be good at everything. We do. And I feel like you find your comfort zone as an adult and a lot of people just stay in that and that's fine. That's comfortable. So I get it. And, and without being an extreme person, I like to feel that little bit of anxiety, nervousness, and then I like to overcome that. I think that helps me grow. And it's really cool watching my kids, they're three and four. I watch them and I see it in their faces that they're going through it and I just love it. And then they're so excited after it. I think, why aren't we continually doing that as adults? So the auctioneering, and it was more so in the competitions, you've got a judging panel of people, then you've got a room full of aspiring. And we all like being judged and standing up in front of our peers and having to do something. So yeah, that's right. And a room full of people, oh, I wouldn't have said that. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. You know, it's the big judging yeah it is and that's what you put yourself out for and we you know you talk about courageous conversations so many people and I think as a leader in the business I always have anxiety about a conversation I have to have on a daily basis because we're trying to improve people and you're giving feedback I believe that's the hardest thing especially when you care about your people it's hard to give feedback that you know is not going to be accepted how you probably want it to be it's really hard it's really hard have you got any tips around how you do that I think my biggest thing is I always try and bring it back to making sure they know they're valued and the things that they're doing really well, obviously. And then are you open to some feedback? Always ask them because I think this will help you improve doing what you're doing and then giving the feedback. Because as soon as you hear the word feedback, it's like, oh, yeah. I've done something wrong, yeah, right? You don't expect to be getting positive feedback. Yeah, exactly. And then having a solution to help them be better. I think you're not just like yeah. hanging your mouth dry and saying, well, if you do it again, that's it. It's like, what can we put in place to make sure that doesn't happen again? And do you need some more training or is it, were you just in a bad mood? Like what was the situation? Was it? Just being able to overcome that and showing that you care about the outcome, I think is key. Well, you're either coaching people in or out, aren't you? So it depends on what side of the fence you're on. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. How many in your team? So we've got 45 in our team and I don't have any heads of department. So that's my role. Wow. So they're all direct reports to you? Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah, but it's interesting. We've built a culture of leadership. So we're very flatline management. I don't feel like I'm above anyone. We're all just one trying to do the best we can. And yeah, I have yep. to deal with compliance issues and you know, there's licensee responsibilities. I do have an office manager who deals with all the stuff, you know, like the operations. Photocopy is broken. Exactly. And and even if I'm not around, she'll deal with a complaint. But across two and a half thousand managements, I think last year I had six complaints that had got to me and I had to deal with. So I'm really proud of that statistic. You should be. Yeah. And what do you put that down to? I just empower my people to make decisions. And just on a really low, like a basic level, if an owner rings and they're not happy and there's a fee that was charged and You know, I say to my team, if you guys are sitting around getting anxiety, disputing a fee of $110, just take it off. 
but you've got that and I'm okay with that and the client will be happy and they'll stay and you'll get it again next time. Just educating them to make commercial decisions. And I just get a report at the end of the month of what's, you know, been paid out or put on hold, or if there's anything that helped us keep business, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's a really pragmatic approach. It's logical as well, because you can see people fighting over the principle yeah. of a hundred dollar bill and it's such a waste of time and it does create anxiety in an industry where there's enough anxiety, right? It does. And you know, I had one the other day where my BD had made a mistake and the the property manager had made a mistake where they put a tenant in three weeks before the owner asked us to just due to them getting the first home buyer's grant. And I wasn't in the office at the time and I was in a meeting and I had all these, please call us urgently, we don't know what to do. And I was so worked up by the time I got in front of them. And I said to them, let's just not charge them three weeks rent and talk to your owner about it. And if they're upset, we'll just pay the three weeks rent. There's a solution, but they were just so worked up about it. I thought, oh, if they could just step back and find that solution, it would have been. So we've just done some training on that this week. And yeah, so it's just, I think I don't run a business where there's any fear. People will never fear they're going to lose their job if they make a mistake. It happens all the time. That psychological safety is so important for team members, right? Oh, um, we have a culture killer. We have a thing in our business that whenever we make a mistake, and firstly, failure is okay because I don't think that you're innovating enough if you don't fail from time to time. So we always just say, let's get curious about how we could have done that differently. Yeah. And so because it's not like, okay, you've done the wrong thing, it's like, okay, let's get curious how could we do it differently. It's a very different conversation and people are much more comfortable with saying, you know what, I've messed up. I agree. And I would hate to work in an environment that you're so scared of messing up that it would just be horrendous. So, yeah, I think we try and have that flat line across the business where everyone's empowered to make decisions. There's obviously responsibilities for different people, trust accounting, that sort of thing. But yeah, of course. overall, if 99% of the time, it doesn't get to me because everyone's worked it out, you know, and that's... Um, Which is amazing. That's fantastic yeah. over that many properties. Yeah, it's good. It's what really... What are we doing throughout? It is. But again, I, you know, I just had a meeting with my business partner. He'd been overseas for a while. So we caught up today and I said to him, this is what I'm going to do this year. I want to get this person in and look at this. And he's like, do you really think we can do it any better? I said, I said to him that thinking's that will kill us, you know, because he's obviously it's a very well-run business and profit. Yes, the thing is Michael Shegold talks about the wow ladder and something that was a wow five years ago is a basic need today. So, for example, buying a car, I wouldn't buy a car without heated seats. Yeah. They call me spoiled. Yeah. It's okay, but it was a wow the first time I sat in my car, but it's very quickly became a necessity for yeah, me. Like well, it's I'm an expectation it. now. Yeah, exactly. It is, yeah. It's an expectation. Yeah. And so I think that if you don't have a look at that on a regular basis, you can actually fall behind. Oh, you get complacent. I think that complacency will kill your business and consumers are well aware of it too. You know, they're expecting more and more and I don't think they're entitled. I just think they're like us. We just... You know, like you said, the wow becomes the basic. So you've got to keep shifting, keep upping it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. And I think even as an employer, the employee, that used to be a wow. Like they get flowers on every anniversary now. They just expect it. And it's like, okay, thanks. And you're like, oh, okay, that's worried because they've had it for three or four years. It's so true. It's so true. We do really good events. And the first few, it was like massive wow. 
how do you keep coming up with this stuff? But now it's like, yeah, they love it and they get excited, but their expectations are so high. Yes. We're the same with our Christmas party. You know, it's 90 people every year. It's like organizing a wedding and yeah. you do something amazing and then you can't go below that. You got to keep. Can't go below that. I agree. Yeah. yeah it's hard. <laughs> it is hard work, but it's life, right? That's standard. That's across the board. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know that you are really focused on making sure your people are looking after themselves so that they can give the best, you know, to their family and obviously to their jobs. How do you approach that with yourself and with your team? Yeah, so I'm probably the worst, you know, I had my two babies during COVID. It's just been an interesting four years for my husband and I with the business, with COVID and with having two children. It was a lot of adjustments happened for us and I feel like we're just coming out of it in the end now. Like we're through the baby stage, you know, we're into their starting school and things are getting easier. So I always believe in lead by example. Your energy will attract the energy of your business. I, you know, strong believer that my energy has to be the best in the business because that's, that has to be. And I've tried to say to the whole team, I can tell when you're not right outside of work. You can feel it the minute you walk in the door, you can feel it with anyone. So we do quarterly planning days where we talk about what are you going to do for yourself? We might set some business goals, but it's more about, well, what do you want to achieve personally? And everyone's different. You know, I've got people who run marathons and do the Rottnest Swim. And then I've got people who really just want to stop drinking a can of Coke every day or whatever it might be. So there's different levels of, you know, some people have five kids, some people have no kids. It's just different. So we really try and talk about it's not what you're doing here for the eight hours you're here. It's what you get to do outside of this that will fill your tank and make sure the eight hours here is a lot easier for you. So, so I think it's leading by example, giving people space to do what they want to do. So I know some of my property managers are horrendous morning people. So I don't ever watch the clock. Whatever time you get into work is the time you get in. And whatever time you leave is the time you leave. As long as you do your job in that time. It doesn't worry me. And I have a very big saying, if you want flexibility, you can't complain about anyone else's. So I'm the most flexible person, but if I hear you start whinging about someone else's flexibility, it's gone for everyone. I just don't want that environment. So because I like flexibility too, and I'm, again, in my leadership style is I don't expect anyone to do what I wouldn't do. So if I come in, I don't set any appointments before 10 a.m. because that allows me to relax when I'm getting the kids ready for school. It's just nice. It's not horrendous at home, then I'm coming in in a really horrible mood. So it's just giving people space to do what they want. If they, you know, some of the girls play sports, so they need to leave at 4.30 to do their training. I'm fine with that. It's not even an issue. If that helps you be a better person, who am I to stop that? It's like your job's done and you understand that. So I think that is probably key for us. If you want to go and get your hair done and take your laptop, go and do it. I get it. It's hard to get fine for four hours on a weekend when you've got kids. So it's just around it, but it's got to be a two-way street. If you know, if we're under the pump or I've done an acquisition and we need some extra hours, well, you just do it. I think it's just always having the conversation around what are you doing this week to find space for yourself. And you know, some people that might just be be able to read a book. Some people might want to go for six, 10K runs, whatever it is, what gets your head yeah, right. Yeah, you've got to know what works for you. Absolutely. Yeah. But leading by example is definitely a big one. I know when I'm motivated and I'm training and I'm eating well and I'm not drinking and you know, everyone likes to come along on that journey. Well, I feel like they, do. they probably don't. Yeah. It's just my head space. But how do you manage all that with two young kids? 
it's certainly not something there's a lot of guilt that goes with having with kids, right? Like I feel like when I'm at work, I feel guilty that I should be home with my kids. And when I'm at home with them, I feel like I should be in the business. But I made a really big effort last year to stop living in guilt. I was living in this guilt pendulum, like where's the guilt feel least? And I'll just do that in that time. And it was yeah. just a way to be. So this year, my husband and I've really sat down and said, well, what do you want to achieve? What do I want to achieve? I train better in the mornings. He likes to train after dinner. So we just work it out. And then, you know, the kids just work around that now. It's easy. I mean, there was a lot of guilt leaving my husband with two kids under two. That's a lot. But now they're three and four, it's easy. It's very easy to be on your own with those two kids now, whereas before it was like you had two kids in nappies and you had to feed two kids. It was a lot. Did he feel guilty about leaving the kids with you? Yeah, he would. And he's quite emotionally intelligent, my husband. And we're very... Very strong on helping each other achieve what we want to achieve, whether it's in the business or outside of the business. He works in the business. He's only been in it for a year, but he is very much dad. So if the kids are sick, he takes that role. Unless I want to, you know, that's not a problem. But Yeah, and why would you want to be at home with sick kids? No, thank you very much. <laughs> work. Sometimes they don't want their dad. They want mum only. Yeah. How did that conversation go with him sort of deciding to take that role at home? Yeah, the conversation was easy. The execution was hard. So he very much is, he's a high achieving person and it's taken time, but now we can sit down and go, well, for us to have the life we want to have and go on the holidays and own the holiday and all that stuff that's on our list and what we've got, I need to be able to run the business at this level. And unless he finds something he wants to do that can subsidize this income, that's just how it is. He doesn't have my skill set. He could definitely get it, but I've been in it for 22 years. So we just made the decision if that's the life we want, this is the vehicle. That's just the only way it can work now. Whereas I'd like to think maybe in a couple of years when he's had more real estate experience, I could probably step back a little bit and he can step up a bit. But then the kids will be, you know, older and it'll be easier and I'll just have more free time. (laughs) Sounds like a perfect plan to me. Although I've got plenty of friends that have said to me their kids need them more as they get older than they do when they're sort of your kid's age because there's a lot more complex challenges in the world now, right? I think there is. And, you know, social media, while it's the best thing for business, it scares the hell out of me for my children and I don't even know what it's going to look like by the time they have a phone. Like It does actually scare me. Yeah, it doesn't even bear thinking about, I don't know, what it's going to look like. No, but, you know, I'm again, the kids are a big thing for us. The more they're out, I've got two boys, they're full of energy. So we just run, we play sport, we swim, we go lifesaving. Like if they're out doing that stuff, I think it gives them good stead to have a good lifestyle. Absolutely. Any of those sports and the team environment I think is great for kids and for adults for that matter. Yeah. I've got a question that I'm starting to ask all of the business owners that I speak to. What do you wish you knew before you went into business? And I know you've been in business for a long time. Mm -hmm. But is there anything that you can think of that you wish you knew? Why didn't anybody tell me? Yes. I wish I knew how lonely it was at the top. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I played sport at a really high level and I was captain and coaching. But in business, I just expected everyone would want to run it as much as I love it, (laughs) you know, because I'd always worked like that. And I think that's why I got to where I was a lot earlier in life because it was like, well, I just make myself irreplaceable. How can I do this job the best I can so I can get opportunities to do the next thing? That was just the way I've always been brought up. 
And, you know, when I did learn that it is lonely up the top, well, then you've got to find people outside your business who are going to help. You know, like I coached Sherry's one of my coaches and I've got some other coaches in different things and you've got to lean on those people and talk to other business owners and have a network, you know, around that. But probably when I was younger, that ego was pushing me to become a business owner. It was definitely more an ego, even more so than financial back then. It was total ego, but now it's more like, well, I don't want it to be about me. It's more financial and I need people around me to support what I'm doing. And it's not necessarily internal. It's not really internal at all. So having a coach in business probably, yeah, I wish I'd done that earlier. Yeah, that's a great one because it is ultimately the decisions are yours to make, right? And sometimes you need someone with fresh eyes and a different perspective just to ask the right questions. They don't have to give you the answers. They just have to ask the right questions. Yeah, or just someone to say, you're doing a really good job. You know, because your employees, as much as I love ours, would never just come and pat you on the back and say that. And I don't need it, but it is nice every now and again to someone to look at your business and go, that's incredible. Wow, you're doing great things. So that validation, we all need it. Yeah, we really do. And so you had a big year last year. What's on the agenda for this year? Yeah, I want to have another big year. I think we'll definitely do another acquisition when the opportunity comes up but I'm going to build out my BDM team more. How many BDM do we have? So we've got three at the moment, but I want to get that to six. And if they can all do 20 managements a month, it's like, wow. And is that realistic for your BDMs to do 20 a month? Yeah, definitely. We're based in the city, so we've got a high investor population, but the way our business is structured too geographically, we can spread out a bit more, which will give us some more opportunity. And I also just want to really enjoy my children this year. You know, I want to be at some school pickups and some school drop-offs and we've got some great family holidays booked. So yeah, just finding the balance, the juggle, everything talks about it. But I feel like I can do it this year. I've got a really good EA. He's just started with me. I never thought I needed one until Sherry told me for six months, kept telling me, telling me, I was like, okay. And then I got one. I'm like, how did I ever live without this? How did I manage? Yeah, she is good. She's been in touch with me a couple of times sorting out this. And I just, I put an EA on for the first time only two weeks ago. So I hear you. Whenever we've had headcount available, I've always given the support to somebody else. And at this yeah. time, it's like, no, going to do it for myself this time. Yeah. And, you know, even just for me, the best thing I've found with Courtney is I don't feel like I have to be on my phone always because she's on my email. So she knows if there's something that needs straight away, it's done and just flags anything that can wait for me to come in. So you know, I feel like I'm so much more present with my family. And then when I'm at work, I'm just doing the really productive things. And then I can go and be present with my family. It's just really helped me compartmentalize my life a bit more. Yeah. Oh, Courtney. Well done. (laughs) Courtney. Yeah. 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 Everyone needs one. (laughs) Everyone needs a Courtney. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are and I really appreciate you doing that for us. And it was a really great chat. So thank you. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to see you. Yeah, you too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.